Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. But the star of the show, as always, is the dapper-looking Greg Doyle. And we've got another just ridiculously dominant Colts performance to recap, don't we, Greg? Yeah, it's not as dominant as me and my dapperness, but it's dominant. They were... uh... You know, I'm so tired of, uh, and I'm so tired, of course, I'm, I'm just tired of Twitter in general, but I'm so tired of people saying, well, they, it was only the Jets, and last week it was only the Vikings, and, and, and three weeks ago, you know, they lost to who the, the Jaguars. You can only play who you play. That's all, that's all you can do, and, and if you beat the hell out of them, that means something. So I'm just so sick of the, yeah, but, I hate yeah, but. I mean, I hate yeah, but. Let's get that, let's get that out of the way, too, because I'm with you. Look, the, the Vikings stink, and the Jets are horrible. Like, the, the Jets and Giants, I, I don't know, Greg, how much, because, you know, we're so laser-focused on the Colts. I don't know how much you've even paid attention, because I barely have, but enough to know. The bad teams in the league this year are horrifically bad. And the Jets are, not only are the Jets bad, like they have no talent, they're hurt. So even the guys that they do have who are semi-conscious, uh, I guess, those guys can't even get out there and play. So you, you saw just, I, I thought, a really terrible, like a 1-15 in 15 level football team yesterday. I think the Giants are going to be kind of in the, in the same boat there. But a, a hallmark of good teams is good teams take bad teams and they stick them in a dumpster. And that's what the Colts have done the last two weeks. They've taken two bad teams. And look, Jacksonville isn't a great team, and the Colts lost week one, and, and I'm aware of that. But the last two weeks, they've taken – I think a mediocre Vikings team and a truly horrible Jets team, and they've stuffed them right in the dumpster. Yeah, and I I watch the highlights in ESPN, which is kind of all you can do when you're covering the Colts, and I see other teams, Kansas City, Baltimore. Um, I, I see teams that look really good, and I don't think the Colts look that good. Um, but they do look good, and and the you know the at risk of being a homer, the the Jaguars game, I'm just. I think I wrote this before the game started in some shape or form, but I hope I did. I'm just the first game of a non preseason season, the first game of this season. It just, who knows? I, I, I don't want to hear any anyway. I don't want to hear people say, yeah, but they lost to Jacksonville. First of all, didn't I tell you I don't like yeah, but don't tell me yeah, but second of all, the season opener in this season is. It's irrelevant. I mean, it counts, but it's irrelevant. So, yeah, we've seen them play two bad teams and beat the crap out of two bad teams, which is what you do when you're really good. I don't, I don't think they're Super Bowl good, but I think they're get to the final eight teams in the, in the, of the season good. You remember the 2018 team that got hot in the second half of the year? They started one in five. Andrew Lux last season. And they oh, yeah. started one in five, and they got hot in the second half of the year. Their lone loss in that second half was a 6 nothing loss in Jacksonville which no one, it defied explanation. Like, no one, I still don't know how they lost that game and how they put up a donut. And I think sometimes, 
I'm not trying to make excuses for them, Greg, because they had no business losing that game to Jacksonville week one, regardless of context. But for whatever reason, in the division, at that particular place, the Colts have had a lot of problems over the years. So I don't know. I guess I'll chalk it up to that. I mean, I wasn't ready to write off the season after week one anyway. um, But that was still a game that, you know, the Colts really should be sitting 3-0 right now. That was an opportunity squandered, I thought. Yeah, and they're winning in ways that we're not used to seeing them win. Their defense is really good. Their special teams, I mean, we're used to the special teams being good, but they're good now everywhere. They rec- they cover kicks, they return kicks or punts. They do everything but block. You know, I'd like to see them block a kick here and there. That'd be nice. But, um, yeah, they're winning with defense and special teams. And, oh, by the way, the offense has all these weapons too. Uh, and T.Y. Hilton hadn't gotten on track yet. And unless he's hit the wall, I don't think he has. We'll see something more from him later. So, yeah, I, this team has a lot to like, except for the people out there saying, yeah, but. And I just, how many times I got to tell you, stop telling me, yeah, but. You know, to me, I, I think the biggest surprise so far in three games is a very small sample size. But you mentioned the defense. I'm not surprised at all what the front seven is doing. What surprises me is how good the secondary's been. Like, we talked about that in the offseason, about that being a real question mark for the Colts. And then they lose Hooker and they lose more. And, you know, T.J. Carey and, and Blackman and so, some members of the rookie class have really kind of stepped up and and uh, made plays, you know. And, and that's something that this defense, I think, really lacked outside of the second half of that 2018. This hasn't been a great playmaking defense for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, look at all the turnovers. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. they talked about they wanted to force, I don't know, 45 or something this year. And they're on pace for more than that or right at that. And they're not just returning. They're not just getting the ball. They're going to the end zone with it. So they're this team has what you want to see in, in a in a Star Wars offense kind of kind of season that I thought we might see. Of course, that was before Marlon Mack got hurt, before T.Y. Hilton kind of fell off a cliff uh, momentarily. But there, you can be a football purist. Like in, in the years past, it's been hard to be a football purist and love the Colts because they just outscore you and they they didn't do a whole lot else. But you can be a football purist and like physical. Like I, I like the way. Somebody for the Jets tried to hurdle TJ Carey yesterday, tried to jump over. I saw that, yeah. And he just kind of stood up and threw the guy down and then loomed over over him. Like, don't do that to me. And Phillip Rivers, when when players hit him near the sideline, he he gets in their face like, Don't don't do that to me. I mean, I, this team is like it's tough and finesse. It's got a little bit of everything. And and like in a Mo Ali Cox and a Jonathan Taylor, they're both those guys can do it all. Tough you're on finesse. I I know you're firmly on the Mo Ali Cox bandwagon. It's funny, Greg, because he's been so good through these first couple of games that, you know, you remember they signed Trey Burton to come in here to be the second tight end with with Jack Doyle. And now we haven't even seen Burton out there. And you wonder, are we ever going to see him? Because has Allie Cox essentially taken over that role now? I I just don't think you can take him off the field with the way that he's played and and the weapon that, uh, again, very small sample size, but the weapon that he appears to be becoming. I know that Reich, Frank Reich, was asked about Trey Burton after the game. Um, and not in that context of, hey, he can't play anymore, can he, because of Mo. But it was just, you know, what, is he coming back and what's the latest? And and Reich was very upbeat about Trey and about what they needed from him and what they think they've got in him. They think he's a special playmaker, They and he, and, and, and he can be when he's healthy. So I I hear you. Uh, it's one of those good problems to have. They have – I think they have three potentially really good, albeit all different tight ends – and Mo's one of them. He's not just, well, you got to play somebody so Mo go out there and get stabs. I mean, he's becoming a force. I don't know what his contract status is, but I can see him being the kind of guy that someone's going to give a lot of money to in the offseason just thinking, hey, if, if you get 16 games and get all the snaps, no telling what you can do. We're gonna, It's going to happen for you here. And wherever here is, I, I hope it's here in Indianapolis because he's a great kid. 
What did you think of Philip Rivers' performance yesterday? Obviously, a, a quiet day, really, for the offense overall. But I think it was one of those games, Greg, where I think the Colts knew, as long as we don't screw up, we're going to win this game handily. So just go out there and don't make a mistake. Yeah, that's the kind of Philip Rivers that that we need to see around here. Um, and, and we didn't see, really, necessarily the first two games. Is a guy that just almost, almost what Rivers said last week. We kind of saw a little bit against Minnesota. He's a game manager now, or at least he can be. He can be. I'm sure if he had to go out and throw it 50 times to win the game, he, he thinks he can do that. Maybe he can. But he managed the Vikings game, and he managed the game yesterday. and managed it at a high level, 17 of 21. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, I, this is what this is what Phillip has to do for the Colts is, is not lose the game. Almost be like what Jacoby would have been last year, but just a little bit better. You know, don't – Jacoby, don't go lose the game. We're not going to ask you to win it. Just whatever you do, don't lose it. Well, Rivers is kind of don't lose the game – and also give us a little bit too. So somewhere between Luck and Jacoby is where Rivers needs to be now at this stage in his career, and that's what we saw yesterday. Yeah, I li- and I like how you said that, between Luck and Jacoby, because the problem for Luck was that it was always, save us, Andrew, right? And so he'd have to go out there and be Superman, and the problem for Brissett was, hey, don't screw up, but you knew with the game on the line, nine times out of ten, it was really difficult for him to make a play. Whereas I'm still confident that Rivers, even at his advanced age and past the prime of his career, can make a play um, sh- should you need him to. But 40,000 passing yards now, which is just an insane number. I, I know some of that is error related. Um, or excuse me, 60,000 passing yards, four, 400 touchdowns. I knew that it was a, a six and a four there. And you start to look at it, Greg, and we've we've had this debate far before he became an Indianapolis Colt. Is, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? And you look at where he ranks all time. I mean, to me, I, I, I don't know if it's a slam dunk per se, but as he kind of keeps going here and compiling these numbers, it, it's really kind of hard to ignore his place, is it not? Oh yeah, I'm gonna someday if it comes to this, I'm gonna go through the list of because the Hall of Fame breaks it down by position. I'll look at the quarterbacks, and I guarantee you, there's some quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, deservedly so, that never won a Super Bowl ever. It is not a yeah, it helps. It helps a whole lot. But it's not a you better or you're out kind of deal. And because it's not a you better or you're out kind of deal, there's room for a handful of guys to get in there without a ring. And assuming Philip doesn't get one here, he's got to be that handful. I mean, you're, you're talking about top five all time in the two most important stats there are, yards and TDs. I'm not sure if he's top five in both yet, but he will be. And he might be right now. That's, that's absurd. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous. He's been in the Pro Bowl like eight times. It's not like he's not Don Sutton winning 17 games a year for 40 years and getting to the Hall of Fame despite never being a great player. He's not that. He's a great player and has done it for a long, long time. I didn't um, – you know, yesterday he had those – he put those numbers up. Uh, he got those milestones, and I did not write about that at all um, And because I, I thought about it. I did, but I thought, you know, he almost every one of those yards and TDs didn't happen here. If, this, if that was Andrew Luck and look what he yeah. did, guys, I'd have yeah. written, wow, look what he did, guys. But And, and he's more – I mean, he's ours. He's, he plays for us now, our, our team anyway. And, and Lord knows he's more mine than anybody else's. I've, I've followed him in college. But um, I, anyway, I, I wonder how that goes with this fan base. Is that, I mean, how important is it to this fan base that he's put up these numbers? Because almost all of them didn't happen here. I don't, I'm not sure how much anybody cares about the huge numbers, aside from what you're talking about, the intellectual argument of the Hall of Fame. No, yeah, I, I think, you know, always, I think a legacy, a player's legacy, I think is relevant. Like Frank Gore's legacy to me is relevant to Colts fans. And he only spent, what, three years here? And, and is viewed far more as a 49er than any of the other teams that he's had a cup of coffee with. But, you know, I, I just think that 
I think it's an interesting debate because I don't know if people have ever viewed Rivers as like one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the league, but he's been durable uh, with a consecutive street start, um, start, excuse me, start streak, easy for me to say. And he's been very consistent over the years. And even though the Chargers fell short a lot, they did a lot of winning. They were in the playoffs a lot. I mean, you know, Jim Kelly never ended up winning a Super Bowl. Fran Tarkenton didn't win a Super Bowl. Um, Warren Moon, Dan Marino is the most obvious example. So th there are guys in Canton who never won a Super Bowl. And, you know, Rivers still has a little bit of a window this year and maybe next year left to, to potentially change that. Then I think it becomes a slam dunk in most people's eyes. But to me, just the, the, the eye-popping numbers are crazy. I mean, to me, it's, it's a lot like Gore, where Frank Gore was never one of the two or three best running backs in the league. And he really only had one elite season his entire career in 2006, which was his second year. But the guy's just out there every day and Mr. Consistent and compiling those numbers and Mr. Durable. And, and I think that there should be some praise and, and some recognition for that. And, and there certainly was yesterday at the game. Um, it was kind of funny to watch. I mean, the Colts really rolled out the red carpet for Frank Gore. They put a highlight film up there of him. And then, you know, thank you, Frank Gore, that kind of thing. And you, you'd have thought, if you'd have known about it, that he must have been here 10 years and he wasn't. He was only three. But they did that. And the crowd gave him a as loud as 7,000 fans. That's what they said. They said 7480 were there. And I realized 7480 won't look like much in a building as big as Lucas Oil Stadium. But I didn't see 7480. I mean, if I had cared enough to count them, I could have counted them by hand. And it might have been 2,000. I don't know where they came up with 7480. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was I mean there was nobody there. But but 2000 people made a lot of noise for Frank Gore and the scoreboard was on Frank Gore and he saw the scoreboard camera on him and he responded by staring at it and then looking away. He just doesn't care about that stuff and I you got to love him for it. No, it almost like makes him uncomfortable, right? Where he doesn't yeah. he so so much doesn't like the spotlight that it makes him uncomfortable. Endearing. Um, and it's it, it's too bad that he's stuck in that situation there with the Jets. I know he wants to keep playing and they're going to give him carries and all that, but it's not a fun way to uh, kind of ride it out here with a team that that's that that is that disastrous. Um, so we're you know about a what fifth of the way through the season. We'll reach the quarter pole next week. I'm fascinated by this game coming up with the Bears because they've got a very interesting quarterback situation on their hands now. And to me, I'm I'm waiting for. I don't know if you've ever heard this term before Greg and I, I'm not trying to be vulgar here I think it's more of a sophomoric than a than a vulgar term but have you ever heard waiting for them to poop the horseshoe no so uh, somebody is so lucky that they have a horseshoe up there you know ah, what? Ah, and so okay. you're waiting for them to you know let it go and and that's that term I'm waiting for with the Bears because to me it is a freaking miracle that that team is three and zero. Like I have no idea how that's an undefeated football team right now um, with the way that they play because they they had a really unimpressive win against a terrible Giants team last week and yesterday. I mean the Falcons just choke on their own vomit every single week, seemingly <laughs> right. I mean the the Falcons blow like a two or three touchdown lead every single week and you just talk it up and you say, okay, yeah, that's the Falcons, no big deal. Um, but I am really interested to see. I, I think clearly the Bears are, are going to be the best team that the Colts have faced to this point. I just don't know how good necessarily they are. Yeah, and Nick Foles will surely will be the starter. I don't know if they've announced oh, anything has yet. To be, right? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be. So, and that changes things. I mean, we, we know what the Bears are with Trubisky, which is to say they're going to win despite Trubisky um, if they win at all. But Foles, and not that he's a great player, but you just don't know. I mean, you just don't know. We haven't seen it yet. And so we will see that that is a wild card that, that we couldn't have anticipated happening. 
But and I, you know, you wonder if the Colts win this game, is it going to be yeah, but they beat the Bears, yeah, but Foles, <laughs> or, yeah, but Trubisky. I mean, I really, I don't know. I guess they have to beat somebody. I don't, I don't have a schedule in front of me, but there's there's a game waiting for them where where people will say, okay, uh, you must be good. The middle of this schedule for them is really, really loaded and legit. So I'm not I'm not worried about. It. They've got some yeah, but games here. They've I think they got the Browns in Cincinnati after the Bears. And then they've got somebody else soft. But the, the middle of this schedule is Baltimore, uh, Tennessee twice. They've got the Packers. Um, they have to go at the Raiders. They play the Steelers this year. Um, they'll get plenty of tests throughout this season, for sure. You know, this would have been my first year ever to go to – my first time ever in Vegas. Ever. Never been to Vegas. They have all, I've never been to Vegas time. either. I mean, you and I both. So combined 40-whatever years we've got in sports, and, and I've traveled a whole lot. And I venture to say – I venture to say that of all the the major league sports towns in America, and by major league I mean if if you've got not counting hockey, if you've got a professional franchise in your city, one of the big three, football, baseball, basketball, I've been there. But not Vegas. Not Vegas. And it won't be this year either. So uh, I'm a little bitter about that. Did you have a question? Because I heard the word Vegas <laughs> just kind of went pissed off. You usually hate traveling, though. Yeah, 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 it's true. Um, yeah, you know what? I Never mind. I take it back. I, I don't – like just just now, um, IU football put a, a, an email out talking about credentials, and apparently the Indy Star can only have one person in the press box, and and that's that's fine. I mean, I we all understand what's going on. Sure. Um, so my Zach Osterman's wanting to know, you know, am, am I okay if I don't go, or do I need to go? Blah blah blah. And I'm like rushing to my keyboard. No 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 no, it's all good. You can go. <laughs> I like watching these games on TV um, rather than being in a press box. I just I don't I, I'm I, I've driven enough in my life and flown enough. I, I don't. There's no thrill for me anymore. And if we can't, especially if we can't interview the guys, if we can't see them face to face, you can't go in the locker room. What do I care? I mean, I'm literally in the press box talking to Frank Reich on my computer. I can do that for my living room, fine. And frankly, I pay attention to the game better on my TV because I see the replays. So I'll probably better serve staying home. Yeah, and I get it for the TV people because they have to do like the little stand-ups um, inside or outside of the stadium. Well, the Colts won a big one today. You know what I mean? Like, but the writers or I don't know the radio people. I I don't really. I'm kind of with you, Greg. Everything is on Zoom. So what's really the point of? Uh, of being there, right? I, just to be there, I guess, in case something happens. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I will say, I will say that there, the, the coolest thing I saw yesterday, just one of the coolest, I mean, there was a couple of cool things in the game too, but one of the coolest things I saw yesterday that I would not have seen had I been watched on TV and therefore it wouldn't have gotten in my story and I wouldn't have tweeted it out, which I did, was there was a guy, a popcorn salesman, vendor, you know, like during the dance off, he wins the dance off and, and he's losing popcorn left and right. And when he wins, they, the camera goes back to him and he just goes nuts. And all his, I mean, 25 boxes of popcorn are gone. And, uh, and I wrote about it and, and put it in there and, and I kind of figured it was staged. I mean, that had to be, cause I know, I know the, the economics of selling stuff at, at games. Like you, you spend 30 bucks to get a full tray of popcorn. You hope to sell enough to make 34 bucks and you pocket four. So yep. you can't just go throwing it away. But then as I'm driving home last night, I realized, they didn't have vendors at the game. <laughs> there, there are no vendors at the game because of the virus. So obviously that was, you know, mm-hmm. staged or whatever. But so what? It was still cool. It was cool <laughs> to watch a popcorn vendor going nuts and lose his popcorn. There was a viral video of a dude. I think it was in Boston at a Celtics game doing Bon Jovi's "Living on a Prayer," where he was like all into it and like going up and down the aisles and like 
grabbing people back, you know, obviously pre-pandemic. And it went viral. And then I think it, it came out that the Celtics just planted him there and had him do Not that it made it any less awesome, but yeah, I, I've seen the teams have been doing that for the Jumbotrons here in recent years, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a cynic and, and a lot of things do happen organically, but um, but a lot of things don't. Most things, most great things don't really, uh, at least the things that, that circulate. And, and so anyway, whenever there's a tweet and there's a video and something great happened, or there was some video where some guy, ah, they get violent. There's, there's a fight here or there, or somebody gets their due deal, their, their comeuppance. Oh, look at that guy being a jerk. And here comes the comeuppance. It's all staged. And yet you, you watch <laughs> people retweet it and go, this is the best thing I've seen all year. And this is the, no, it's you dummy or you why there's no critical thinking anymore we see all this stuff and we think oh that's just the way it no it's not the way it is it it was it's a fun little bit and you saw it but that's not real what are you doing we got an election coming up greg you just smash that retweet button you don't even worry about where it came from just retweet it like it if it if it fits what you want you know with your personal narrative just go ahead spread it out there especially on facebook what am I doing right now? You're you're looking at me on Skype. What what am I doing right now? Face palm, <laughs> grabbing your forehead. Yeah, I'm I'm pinching my nose and closing my eyes because I. You know it's true though. Uh, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. We just found out yesterday that that our president um, doesn't pay taxes and finds a way out of it. And when he does pay, it's a couple hundred bucks. And he's a billionaire, but tried to tried to hide his tax returns from us for this reason because he knew how bad it looks. And I'm willing to guess that of the 50 million people that voted for him, 50 million people don't care. And it's just not acceptable. It's, you know, everybody screws up. Everybody's side has mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Lord knows the Democrats, last two elections, including this one, have run almost unelectable people, almost people that can't win. So I'm not saying this side's better than that side at all times, but what's happening right now with our president what's been happening for four years is not okay. It's not okay. And if the, if the choice was the incumbent or a head of lettuce, how you could that head of lettuce, I don't understand after what you've seen for four years. I don't, I mean, run ahead of lettuce, put some thousand out on that bad boy. That's my new president. Sorry. Regardless of who you're voting for, I think, and I don't want to get too far off the road here, but I think that, Unlike four years ago, I really felt like going into the debates and and going into like late September, October, there were people that were still on the fence about whether it was going to be Hillary or Trump. And now I don't think anybody's on the fence. Everybody knows exactly who they're going to pick at this point, whether whether and and we know who the the candidates are. And I know that the debates haven't even happened yet. And I I feel like like I'm ready to get this election over with because I don't think there's any there's nothing that could come out about uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Uh, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, that's going to change anybody's mind about anything to me. Pe- people are dug in and ready to go. Oh, it's just a march. We're just all waiting to get to the, to the election day. And we all know who we're voting for. We all know what's going to happen. And then we all know what's going to happen next. I mean, it's like, wake me up on November 12th when it's all over. Because we all know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. and then, and, and yeah, I just, and, 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 you know, what hurts me so much, and, and I, it's like almost a literal source of depression is that there's so many people that disagree with me. And I, I just, I wonder if like eight years ago, 10 years ago, if you'd drawn up, if you'd just written down in paper, somebody's going to do this. He's going to act this way for this many years. He's going to do these things. He's going to do these things. Would, would you support that person? 
nobody would in a, like it's like that blind bubble draw when the NCAA tournament says well, the CBS says here here's a team with 14 wins five against tier one five against tier two and they're three and zero on the road and here's a team like a, you know the blind resume test a blind yeah. resume no one's voting for that resume no nobody no, nobody would have 10 years ago no nobody and yet as we speak people are unfollowing me right now as as we speak they're clear because they can't they don't want to hear this and I just I'm but so Greg, you know, if we're going to make the college basketball comparison, it's it's a lot like whenever, you know, it's uh, it's Patino or back when it was Samson or any of these coaches, uh, Bruce Pearl, that have run afoul of the NCAA. If you're a fan of that team, you're going to defend that person and you're going to defend your program and say, well, everybody does it. Or you're going to make what about what Duke did or what about what? Kansas did you know what I mean and, and and obviously at the end of the day all that stuff is trivial because it's college freaking basketball who cares who cares how many phone calls Kelvin Sampson made 15 years ago or whatever it was but I, I think this is just an offshoot of that it doesn't matter because you've already picked your team and and that's the team that you're rooting for and so that's the team that you're going to defend yeah I saw something last night on Twitter I I mean I you, you talk about making me want to throw my phone through a window um, a, a guy retweeted the news, the New York Times story about the tax returns, and, and and this guy has a couple hundred thousand followers and a blue check mark, and he's somebody of of note, whoever he is. And he, he retweeted it by saying, "Okay, so this is what the tax returns looked like for fifteen years. But what this means is that Joe Biden was in the Senate all that time, and he was okay with it." And I like, wait a minute, what? You're 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 so invested on one side that you're. Yeah, our side did something horrible, but the other side let it happen. Therefore, it's their fault. Like I, I just can't. And it got retweeted by you know five thousand people because yeah. that's a good tweet. Yeah, you tell them. I just, I, you know, it, it discourages me. Uh, just like when I get mean tweets on on Twitter, discourages me. Not not in the classic way. Not in the oh, you're hurting my feelings way. More in the way of this is what humanity is, and it's just hard to when you're in the public. You know, like you and I, we're in the public eye a little bit, and we we communicate with the public. That's our job. It's just real, and I know we're I mean, we're so far off the edge here, but it's just so damn discouraging. Like these, I I can't even I don't even know what species we're like. We're different species. I I don't know what's going on here. If it helps you sleep at night, because this does help me, uh, and I realize this especially after the election four years ago, we're talking about a very very small fraction of the population that's on Twitter. People. Some of those are just that's kind of how I make peace with it. And and I also not to just read the replies on tweets. <laughs> I, I stopped doing that like in the last six months. I was like, I've got enough going on in my life. <laughs> I'm not going through the reply thread on here because I just don't want to hear what other people have to say about this because it's just it's too too much vitriol. Can't yeah, but it's it is, but uh you know, for me it's like it's it's um not public service, um customer service. You know, I've got readers, people they're not all jerks. You know, a lot of them, hey, nice story, or thank you for coming sure. to my town to write this, or, 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 hey, what do you think about the Colts? Do you think they have a chance to get work? I want to talk to those people. They deserve an answer. Um, but, yeah, to, to sift through what's there waiting for you, to sift through it is just, and, again, not because my feelings are hurt, more like just it just feels like body punches. Like, really, th this person exists. Okay, that person exists. Okay, that person. And they think they're right. That's the thing is. You read these tweets and you like you you have no idea what you do. Do you know how small how stupid you got to be to say that? Do you do you know how stupid that is? And, and they don't know. Dumb yeah. doesn't know it's dumb.
You don't know what you don't know, right? The classic Greg Doyle quote. That's what I always think of. <laughs> Let's move on. I, I mentioned college basketball, and you said that yeah. you're working on a piece. And this is something that you touched on a couple of weeks ago. You talked to Ryan Vaughn at Sports Corps about this bubble idea, and um, it, you're actually pretty optimistic that this is pull-offable, for lack of a better term. I am a corona bro. I am, I'm not proud. I don't like the fact that, that people, somebody, and we know who he is, coined the term corona bro, and then – Thousands and thousands of just not critical thinking people decided, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to call him Cronenbro too. Uh, but I am a Cronenbro, which means by definition, it means apparently that I root for the pandemic. I want it to win and I want sports to lose. That's what a Cronenbro does. How stupid, right? I know. That's what it is. It's just so dumb. But I'm a Cronenbro and yet I want college basketball to try and I think it'll work in these bubbles that they're going to do. And and I'm, this is the first sport, really. This is the first one because the NBA, had I known how good a bubble would have worked, I'd been on board with it, but I just had no idea. I had, mm-hmm. I mean, no, none of us, none of us could have possibly imagined that the NBA would go to Orlando in the middle of a coronavirus hotspot in central Florida. And four or three months later, literally zero players have tested positive zero. And it's not like, yeah, well, they've been hiding it. There, there have been a handful of players have left the bubble for personal reasons, and we'll never know. And 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 maybe one or two of them, you know, who knows? But for them, I mean, it's been an overwhelming success. And college basketball won't be the exact same bubble, won't be nearly as good. But what I'm now seeing is, with exceptions, you know, there's some college football teams where they've got issues. Notre Dame had a breakout. Um, with exceptions, players understand what's at stake, and they want to play. And they're willing to forego whatever normal things you do that will get you sick with the coronavirus. They're college, the, the kids on campus aren't willing to forego it, and that's why their you know, Big Ten campuses are a mess right now. But the athletes themselves are willing to, and they've got testing. And Anyway, as a corona bro who hates all sports, apparently, I believe in college basketball. You can check that out in the Indie Star. I actually uh, I, I wanted to touch on the NBA, but my toddler's been on this ABC Mouse program on the iPad. And I forgot to charge it last night, so I'm down to like 2%. So I want to make sure that it doesn't cut out. But just kind of quickly wanted to get your thoughts on this unbelievable run here that Miami's put on. And what a fun team to watch. And also, of course, LeBron continuing to add to his legacy a 10th NBA Finals appearance, which really is just obscene when you think about it. Miami is the prototype going forward, not Houston, Miami. They Because they, they've got an athletic five who can guard a lot of people. They've got a bunch of guys that can shoot threes, and they're tougher than you are. And that's really what it takes. Shoot, shoot the three, be real tough, and have, have everybody on the court can move their feet and, and guard. And you've got something there. And it really shouldn't be that hard to replicate. The, the hardest thing to replicate of all that is Bam. I mean, you, you just can't yeah. find Bams. Who's been unbelievable this year and in this postseason. Yeah, and I'm not saying Tyler Harrow is, is replicable easily. He's not. But you can find shooters, and you can find toughness. You can't find Bam. And he's really is the glue that keeps the whole thing together. And Jimmy, Jimmy Butler – and I know you're cutting out soon, but Jimmy Butler is a special kind of winner. He's he is a spe- like there can only be one alpha male at all times on a court, and I don't care who else is on the court. Maybe LeBron, Jimmy Butler's the alpha male, and it's just oh, amazing yeah. to watch. Yeah, he'll rip your heart out. Uh, say yeah. what you want about him, and people criticized him for how he handled the Minnesota thing with with Carl Anthony Towns and all that. But that, but that now we see why though game. he yeah, wanted to win right. so much, and he Found saw him. guys that wanted numbers, and he's like, no, 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 I want to win. You got to respect that. No, 100%.
Check out Greg's latest columns. All, obviously, the college basketball bubble coming here. The Colts dominate on Sunday. T.Y.'s grandma, which was a great story from last week, uh, oh, which, which I really you. enjoyed. And then, uh, obviously, on a much more serious note, um, you know, the tragic passing of Damon Bailey's dad and, and his legacy and, and just, obviously, the Bailey family in this state. Um, Indiana royalty, that's for sure. Check it out. IndyStar.com, IndyStar app. Like, subscribe, and we'll be back with more Doyle and Derek next week. I'll see you then, Greg. Hey, Derek. Sounds good. Thanks. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.